Hello, I'm Keith Johnston, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Principal Analyst Jay Patasol and Principal Analyst Kelsey Chickering to discuss the rise of creative commerce. Welcome, Jay and Kelsey. Thanks, Keith. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Excited to do this. I'm really excited for this conversation because this is research that we're going to roll out an entire track at CX North America in just a couple of weeks. Commerce has traditionally been an isolated moment of purchase, cordoned off from the larger, dare I say, more creative part of the brand experience, or it's been the call to action at the end of a campaign. But new technologies seem to be enabling creative commerce, which you've coined here, Jay, which reinfuses the moment of purchase, the experience that supports it, and then the repurchase opportunity to engage in the larger customer experience. Before we get kicked off too far, Jay, can you just frame what do you mean by creative commerce and where did that come from? Yeah, absolutely, Keith. Um, it's a tricky one. When, when we say creative commerce, we're talking about a connected experience that connects the discovery uh, and the marketing phase with the actual purchase phase and then the ownership and doing so with a series of insights and tactics that create a more fluid and, uh, and evocative experience for customers. Now, where it started is really interesting. It started as a much more narrow piece of, of research. After the pandemic and during the pandemic, we were noticing that a lot of commerce executions looked very similar. Um, a lot of the basket activity was looking similar. A lot of the uh, digital experience for ordering uh, looked similar, similar. So I'll give you an example. When you went to buy curbside pickup for groceries, at retail, at whatever, at whatever situation you could think of, that experience of starting a transaction online, filling up your cart, starting the checkout process, getting in your car, driving to the location, parking in a specific space, finishing the transaction online and having the goods brought out to your trunk, that could happen at any number of national retailers. And the brand itself almost kind of disappeared in just the, the mental... Uh, you know, the muscle memory of, of, of a very similar experience took over. We, we saw that in, in, uh, in restaurant, we saw that in retail, we saw that in, in numerous categories. And it really got us uh, to thinking about how we might be able to better optimize that commerce experience in a more creative and distinct way. And along the way of, of beginning that research, we discovered that the process itself, as, as you said in the setup, Keith, is, is very disconnected. It's very isolated. Everything from, uh, uh, from a marketing standpoint and from an e-commerce standpoint is all optimized around the, the point of purchase. And there's very little consideration given to what happens before the purchase and what happens after the purchase. And we saw this opportunity to connect this experience together and create what we call a more creative approach to commerce. Very cool. Um, and I'm going to come to you, Kelsey, because one of the things that started exciting me about this research is because 
as I started talking about campaigns where literally like you, you develop a really creative media plan and then the call to action was the time to go purchase something. We're starting to see a lot more uh, transactable ads, uh, really rich creative media executions where like you're really in the moment, you're in the campaign and you're able to click the buy. Talk a little bit about that because that's a huge part of this idea of creative commerce. Sure. Yeah. I, so when we think about like commerce media, I, I think there's a lot of conflation with, with retail media that all commerce media is retail media, but I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot more to it. You have things that are like great um, experiences happening on publishers. You have interesting ad units popping up within social commerce. There's a lot of like new ways that convergence is happening. I mean, I think on the publisher side, I, that bringing together of brand and performance is so apparent. You look at something like Goop, for instance, um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's editorial um, site, but it's also very much a shoppable site. And you're reading editorial content that would typically be, you know, very brand type content. And you're seamlessly buying products as you're, as you're, you know, participate, participating within that. So I think from that side, there's some interesting stuff happening. And then certainly um, with the new fronts this year, there was a lot of introduction of new types of shoppable experiences. You had, you know, Meta in the past, they were scaling back some of their in-stream shopping on Instagram just because they weren't seeing traction, but they've reintroduced new ideas. So they have these shoppable AR reels where creators can, you know, use augmented reality and make the shopping experience more immersive and interesting. So like Sephora was testing this, um, for instance, and the like users could, you know, press their thumb on the screen. They could get a filter with an aura that basically told them which perfumes they should buy. So it's it just an example of how you're bringing in some more like immersive experiences into that, um, into the, the creative that you're that you're seeing on, on social media. Could I add to that that I, I mean, what Kelsey said was just is so important. And it I think it relates to you know, your, your, your comment about brand and performance and how those, how those now interact. And, and in the past, of course, they were, they were separate tactics and separate budgets and, and separate channels. And, and that really, you know, comes to bear in this, in this disconnected commerce um, environment, particularly on the upfront where, where what, what you're seeing and experiencing has very little to do with what you're actually you know, purchasing or buying in some respects, or the experiences are, 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 are so different. But yet we're in this world where like, literally you can go on to Amazon or your Goop was a, example is a great example, but you can go on to Amazon and, and you can be looking for something and then purchase it like all within a three second window. It, the entire marketing experience happens there and it represents this flattening of what what we used to think of as the as the as the purchase funnel, and I know that Brandon Purcell is going to be talking to us about that uh, at, at at CX North America as, as one of his uh, one of his keynotes. But it's it's such an important uh, piece to this because it really it it begins the disconnection that that we're we're identifying, and 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 so starting to kind of reconcile with this new like nonlinear chaotic. Uh, uh, customer experience in marketing, I think is the, is the, is the starting place for, for trying to create a better commerce experience. You just made me think though, it's, it's interesting with that flattening that you're talking about and with this convergence of brand and performance coming together, that, that also means that we probably need to change it, our expectations for every piece of content, just because it's commerce enabled doesn't mean that on the first time you're seeing that piece of content, you're going to buy. Like a lot of people say, so social commerce 
has been failing. There hasn't been like, I mean, I wrote about this over the holidays that, you know, no one is shopping on social media and, and it's, it's not working, but working is, it doesn't mean that you're shopping right in the moment, but you're certainly getting more exposure to content. You're seeing new products and you might then go off and buy that, that product later, or you're targeted a few more times and, and then you, then you purchase it. I just think that flattening also means that a piece of content can do many different things for your communications plan. And we need to be reasonable about how we, you know, measure and determine success at each piece. So a lot of this stuff, you know, just doesn't work unless the brand, the light bulb at the brand goes off and they realize that they need to be more experiential on how they transact with their customer. Um, but also a lot of this is because there's, uh, th for those brands, those departments, those functions, they're working a lot, you know, better together. But then for others, a lot of this is coming together because their partners have spun up new capabilities or starting to really look at how we connect our media and our commerce and the experiences together. Jay, do you have some examples? And you cover the agency, uh, uh, agency sector really deeply of, of those agencies who are working with those brands that are really looking at this from a creative commerce perspective? Yeah, um, uh, several examples. Um, and, and I think the, the common denominator here is that in, in the partner landscape, the more quote unquote real estate that the partner has, let's just say visibility to um, or, um, or, or access to, the, the better enabled they are to, to provide a, a more kind of holistic experience. And, and so I'll give you an example of this. We, we found this wonderful story in uh, LATAM Airlines. And uh, LATAM Airlines, of course, is a carrier that operates out of uh, Brazil and uh, Chile and uh, uh, in other, other parts of the region. And they work with uh with a, a specific agency partner uh mrm and mrm has a tremendous amount of responsibility with with uh with this client um including you know the creative and content development they have some media responsibility as well as uh martech um and uh, a series of uh digital channels part of the reason for this is where they operate in in, in Latin America, there is a, a law that, that specifies, particularly in Brazil, that um, creative and media can't be separate, um, that, uh, that, that agencies that, that buy media must also create media. And just a, it's, a, it's a phenomenon for that part of the world. But as a result, you see more integrated relationships. And, and in the instance of this Latin Airlines example, what they found um, was that this event that we all know is Cyber Monday is this, you know, amazing e-commerce event. But due to the currency and um, the uh, access to goods, that the cost of a number of the, uh, you know, hundreds of popular items that are for sale on Cyber Monday actually cost less um, when you purchase it in another country having actually flown there on LATAM Airlines. So literally the cost of, of buying an Xbox in Miami plus the ticket to fly to Miami is less than what it would cost you. And I'm making that particular example up, um, uh, is less than what uh, it would cost you uh, to purchase it in, um, you know, in Chile, for example. So they developed this really sophisticated campaign using 
data signals, um, using their MarTech capabilities, using their performance and targeted, targeted marketing uh, capabilities, their creative and content capabilities to demonstrate, they pulled in APIs and pulled in data feeds and they would demonstrate to, uh, uh, to shoppers that it literally in, in calculation uh, inside the ad unit that the cost of what they are looking to purchase would cost them less if they bought a, uh, a, um, a ticket, flew to another city, had a layover, did some shopping, got back on the flight and, and came home. And, uh, and so they, they used really interesting tactics to do that. Search and SEO was a huge piece of it. So they would interrupt, uh, you know, place messages that would interrupt people while they were looking for goods and, and run campaigns that showed them, you can buy this cheaper in, in Miami, you can buy this cheaper in New Orleans uh, or, you know, whatever, whatever the destination would be. Miami tended to be one of the, the uh, larger hubs just because it's, it's Latin Airlines. And, and it's a wonderful illustration of, of integration because it, it involved um, the, the purchase of an airline ticket, the purchase of, uh, of, of, of the durable good that they were looking for, right? Um, including really highly targeted marketing and content marketing and smart uh, SEO um, and, uh, and, and, and social played a part in it too because you could, you could publish on, on social what you, what you purchased or what you intended to do. Um, and it was a very sophisticated campaign and it can only be executed with the partner having visibility across all those channels and responsibilities um, beyond just, just the advertising component of it. And so that's a, you know, that's a wonderful example of, of how partners and, and, and brands can work together um, to create alignment across sales, across tech, across marketing and across CX and create this experience that's much more kind of, you know, robust and connected as opposed to, you know, these isolated purchase moments that we're talking about. So. Kelsey, maybe we will talk a little bit about some creative commerce experiences that that may be a little bit more isolated, but certainly brand rich in the uh, entertainment to consumer space, where you got Amazon doing deals on you know Thursday night football and Walmart doing deals with Disney Plus and you know all these brands coming together to you know capture us when we're in our uh, in the moment of, of being entertained. Uh, what's going on in that space that's, that is creative commerce? Well, you know, it's funny, I think, especially in the like t TV type of type of moments, it makes so much sense to be enabling this with, with commerce because I mean, we've been talking for years and years about co-viewing or we are, you know, we have all have our phones while we're watching television. Like those behaviors have been happening for a long time. So why wouldn't we make it easier when you're watching it, you know, something on television to be able to like connect those things? You know, I know in Amazon, they're doing something like Amazon live, more like shoppable live stream content. You have Samsung, they're doing more like AI powered shoppable content they're, and we're like viewers are connecting their mobile devices, they can shop really easily without even pausing the content. So I think this intersection, you know, it it makes sense, especially since everyone is already sitting there on their phones, probably shopping anyways. So in terms of like behavior, I, I think it's it's super smart that we're starting to make those, um, you know, make those connection points. The other area where we're seeing um, content be even more commerce enables is in the creator space. 
um, we're seeing a ton of growth in affiliate marketing, which is sort of like what's old again is new again. And that doesn't sound like a very, you know, exciting thing, but I was talking to one partner and they said, some of these creators are making $50,000 a month, just on affiliate. Like they're doing really, really well. And you work with some of these smaller mid tier creators that have really, really good followings, really different communities where you can, you can drive sales for your brand in a way that is combining, you know, more brand type content with this commerce enablement. So I think we're going to continue to see every piece of content that we've put out there, at least enabled for commerce. Do you think that's where the innovation is going to going to happen most? I would say one of the one of the innovative moments within this that I mean we talked a lot about the the, um, the the leading up to the sale and the way that we we you know enable marketing and 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 content and media and technology to work together leading into the sale. But on the back side of it, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, in the ownership phase. And w- one of the campaigns that, that we, that we were able to look at, one of the examples that we found in part of this research um, is a, is a sampling campaign for ice cream in Mexico with a, a brand called Elena's. And uh what what Elena's was was uh, aiming to do was to uh, sample um, uh, the five main flavors of ice cream that are their kind of their um, some representing their best sellers, others representing you know opportunity areas uh, for growth, and and so a sampling strategy can be you know a really simple thing, right? You could you, you, it used to be that you'd stand up uh, an event um, you know on site at at a retailer, a grocery store, or whatnot, and and simply provide samples so that customers could 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 taste and experience this. Well, they took a they took an approach here where they did use marketing on on the front end, um, uh, and created a campaign that was tied to the uh, the football league in in Mexico, and uh, and the five flavors um, represented the five stages of grief. And so when fans, when fans, when their favorite team would, would lose, they would, you know, here would be this brand that would have uh, the ability to kind of, you know, take them through the five stages of grief from anger all the way through to, you know, to acceptance with, with each flavor and each layer in this pint of, uh, of ice cream. And so while it was a great idea and they tied the brand to um, a really popular sport and, you know, popular teams, um, in, in the marketing phase leading up to the purchase, they delivered this really cool experience on the back end of it, you know, post-purchase that connects back to the brand and back to the game and back to the sport and, and, and really, you know, cre- creates this endearment, I think, um, uh, with customers that, that, uh, that, that leads to repurchase. And I think that's, a, that's an innovative, you know, in this instance, it's sampling and it's very physical. Um, in other instances, it's maybe a little bit more data-driven, you know. Um, and the signals coming back post-purchase are so much more powerful and so much more valuable because of the input that they provide you on what customers are looking for and and how to you know deepen those relationships, which really gets us into you know uh, lifetime customer value, um, uh, which has a you know a, a profound opportunity for you know for innovation. But at the end of the day, it requires marketers and agencies that are, you know, that are thinking more, you know, more integrated, more connected, more holistically, and are making good use of the, of the data. One of the things that we pointed to in the research was that it's, yeah, it's creative 
commerce and there's creativity and there are ideas and brand ideas that are represented in, in this, but it is not the same old creativity. It's, 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 you know, it's not Madison Avenue, you know, creativity. It's, it, you know, Don Draper got a calculator, you know, and, and knows how to crunch numbers and knows how to use data. And, and you see that at play in this, uh, in this strategy, whether it's the marketing on the front end or the CRM and the loyalty and the purchase, you know, the post-purchase on the back end. You guys are kind of circling around um, some of the things in creative commerce that maybe only big brands could do, but then this whole other tier that's being uh, opened up. Um, and I'll explain that by saying is like when I think about the marriage between streaming platforms and marketplaces, that still seems like a big brand execution and a little bit more traditional creativity as we've known it. But then, Kelsey, you were talking about, you know, social advertising and uh, we didn't get the retail media like that seems like a place to play a, a creative commerce space that almost any brand can play in. What's the opportunity there? Yeah. I mean, D2C drove that, right? Like D2C brands w weren't huge brands. And they're, in a lot of ways, I think, drove this convergence between brand and, and commerce because they saw the transaction gap close. And, you know, especially during the pandemic, you have people who are forced to figure out how to shop online. You're scrolling through Instagram, you see a product, it's, you're learning about this brand for the first time, you're maybe sharing it with a friend and you're purchasing it. Like that's almost every piece of the customer life cycle that, that you can participate in. So I don't think it's just a big brand opportunity, particularly in social media, there's, and, and within, with creators, there's a ton of opportunity to, to work with these types of, um, work in these types of environments, regardless of your size. We've been talking about this pretty holistically, but are we almost in that time where you can, a big brand can have their own marketplace, but then also connect to these retail media marketplaces and close the gap between their campaigns and, and their own platforms and their inventory? Can all this stuff be connected yet? Theoretically, yes. The, the, systems, the systems are there. Um, the, the maturity of of you know data lakes and uh, DMPs and you know clean room technology to match um, uh, third party with uh, first party CRM. We talked about you know transactional data on one side, uh, uh, supply chain data on another side. Like all of that exists, but at at the moment, just like the purchase experience, they too exist somewhat in isolation, um, and it becomes really a an enterprise, you know, technology architecture um, uh, exercise to pull together the systems so that the teams can have the visibility across the different areas to be able to execute in the way that you're that you're suggesting. It's a it is a nirvana for marketing for sure, and 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 businesses and 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 e-commerce teams. But right now they're they're a bit um, siloed you know, in their, in their, in their areas. And so as much as there needs to be a architecture of, uh, uh, you know, an enterprise architecture of technology uh, play within this, there's also an internal alignment that, that needs to happen across sales and tech and marketing and e-com and, and, and CX. And, and I, and I understand that, you know, as the moment I say that, that every single one of our, our clients that are listening to this are going, oh, God, we're talking, you know, like a raging, complicated 
uh, uh, level of alignment. No, not really. It's it, it's not about a reorg. It's not about um, you know collapsing silos. It's just about collaboration across those those teams, and and uh, collaborating to to be able to move the 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 data and the insights you know from team to team, um, and to execute in a little bit more harmony. And and we saw a really killer example of this um, uh, in the research where Verizon Business. They were very, you know, their their lead gen team inside Verizon Business was was seeing all types of inbounds from all different channels, you know, maybe chat or online or the call center or whatnot. And the business units were basically competing for those leads, um, regardless of the profitability of the lead necessarily. And and so what they found was that it once they organized their objectives and aligned their objective around profitable customers, um, irregardless of, of, of channel, that they were able to stop the business units necessarily competing and kind of work together in, um, in, in, in collaborate together to be able to f- identify the, the high value targets, the, the more profitable customers and serve their needs no matter what channel. And, and once they all kind of had that, that, that one aligned goal, um, it seemed to fall into place for them. Uh, to do that. So the, the tech alignment and some sort of organizational alignment becomes a really important piece to be able to, to deliver this, this experience beyond, you know, the partnerships or any of the tech innovation that, that, that Kelsey was talking about before. And what you said was so critical, Jay, is that it's alignment around the customer and around that high value customer. This year, during our 2023 marketing uh, survey, we, we talked to B2C decision makers and we actually saw the top three things that they cared about most in North America. The first um, was engagement across the customer lifecycle. The second was brand perception. And the third was, was um, improving their customer experience. But all three of those top, it wasn't ROI. It wasn't you know efficiency. It was customer. The top three things were all about the customer. So I do think there is a, a reckoning and understanding from, from brands this year that being more customer centric and building your strategy around the customer is so critical. I appreciate these explanations. And uh, Jay, the, the root of my question earlier about the technology uh, was important because I don't want to, I don't, I want the listeners to actually understand that creative commerce is a strategy, but it's also an opportunity to, you know, implement and orchestrate a series of systems and platforms and data there, you know, one is more obtainable than the other for some brands. So you know, I just I didn't want the creative commerce to fall flat and know that one's mutually exclusive of the other, that, you know, you can't have a creative commerce experience unless you connect everything. Uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case, uh, especially when you think about where we're starting with 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 this kind of purchase vacuum of, you know, very isolated, optimized purchase experiences. Just connecting some of it creates a better experience. Um, and, and, you know, and we understand, obviously, change can't happen overnight and then it, it probably makes sense for for companies to to start um experimenting with fewer channels to figure this out and then roll it out to, to more channels once success has been you know determined um one of the uh one of the principles that we had uncovered in this research that i think is really important for our, our clients and, and our listeners is this concept of function first investments and and what's meant by function first investments is we're not talking about radical 
you know, reorganizational changes that, you know, require, you know, change management structures and, and consultants and years and years to accomplish. We're talking about relatively feasible, manageable, bite-sized, if you will, uh, uh, advancements. You know, so a, a test market is a perfect example uh, of that. You know, identifying a, a few channels that you can create a more fluid experience, testing it and seeing what your results are and then expanding from there. This was a great conversation, guys, but I want to make sure that we get to the heart of what this really is. Creative commerce isn't this aspirational thing. It connects directly back to some recent research that we put out there in a podcast we just uh, published with Melissa Parrish about the customer-obsessed growth engine, which really comes down to alignment. So if we could just sum up what creative commerce is and what it isn't, but really get to the heart that this is a business strategy. Yes, uh, I can start and tell you that creative commerce is, it's an engagement strategy that is designed to align channels and content and moments so that you can deliver what customers are looking for um, along the path of purchase that they take. Um, and, and that path may be, you know, multi-channel and multivariate, um, but you're, you're organizing, you know, data and content and media and messages and, and marketing to be able to, uh, to, to implement. Yeah. And, and I would add in terms of uh, building a strategy for, for now, you know, during peak pandemic customers were much more forgiving of customer experiences. And, but that's, that's changed. When we talked to customers in 2023, we found that 63% actually expect a better customer services than, than they have in the past. So brands need to, you know, fix their potholes. And they need to activate like a brand experience in a way that does deliver, deliver value. And we talk about the customer growth engine. It's about not having short-term thinking and not thinking about just extracting value from customers. That, that's going to fail in this, in this new type of world. You have to have an engine that's about growing revenue, profit, customer retention, and doing all of that consistently and bringing your teams together, together to, to do that. So, you know, we saw in our research when when teams do bring those things together and they do deploy a customer obsessed growth engine, they grow revenue faster. They have two times higher profit, and they're doing that all faster than their than their peers. So it's super important to think about how you activate your brand experience in this new context and and how you align all of your functions together around maximizing customer value. So clearly, brands cannot do this all alone. Uh, if if a brand is bought into this approach, what kind of partners, whether they be DX partners, commerce partners, or media partners, uh, where does a brand go to get this kicked off? I mean, I can start. I think I think you start by talking to your agency if they're really managing the full experience for you. You talk to them about where are those opportunities we're missing out on across our media plan. Are there opportunities for us to? enable the content to be more commerce forward and you and you start there and you start looking at points in your plan where you might be able to sort of up commerce your your ideas yeah and and their ability to integrate i think is a is a crucial piece of this because i, I think what we've talked about is it, it's not any one thing it's several things acting in in concert um and you know in singing a bit more harmoniously and, you know, so having partners that can help, um, you know, tune the instruments, so to speak, 
and 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 play along in harmony with you uh, is important. You know, so uh, integrating channels, um, activating uh, data, uh, understanding the the customer journey, and um, you know, and helping to prioritize. You know, what messages, um, what content, um, when to get content and messages out of the way when they're when they're purchasing and then how to bring content back into play uh, on the on the back end of it. That that type of, you know, integration and sophistication in a partner is important for this execution. All right. Great conversation for such a, a deep emerging topic that we're going to take on at CX North America. I want to thank you both. And uh, I can't wait to hear more. Thank you. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, please join us at CX North America, where you can dive even deeper into a variety of customer experience topics. At CX North America on June 13th through 15th, you'll get the latest research from dozens of Forrester analysts, network with your peers, and walk away with actionable insights and best practices. Learn more at for.com slash CX23. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash CX23. Thanks for listening.